jump right into our series. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity just to be here today. Uh, you woke us up this morning. You put breath in our lungs, and we thank you for that. We thank you for being with us on our way here. We thank you for being here with us right now uh, through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the love that you have extended to each and every one of us. We thank you for the grace that you con- uh, con- uh, constantly extend to us. Uh, and God, we ask that you would just be with us today. Anoint me, anoint my lips uh, as I speak uh, the words of the scripture. Um, and let these words fall into good soil, into good soil, in open hearts. Let it, let it sink deep into the soil of our hearts and let it grow and develop and prosper. Uh, God, we just ask that you be with us today, be with each and every person here, uh, and give us your strength. To, to you be all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I want to start with a question today, and the question is, have you ever been in a relationship that you wanted to go deeper, but the other person did not share that same feeling? You wanted to be more intimate, the other person did not want to be more intimate. Now, maybe this for you was like in junior high, you know, you you had a crush on somebody and you wanted that person to like you. You wanted the relationship to deepen. You wanted it to grow deeper and they did not. Uh, They were there. They were physically present, but they were emotionally unavailable. Anybody ever experienced that at any time in your life? Yeah. It's kind of like you had your heart broke, right? When I was, when I was nine years old, I had a crush on a girl in our church. Her name was Nikki Mokas. Nikki was 12, and I was 9. That, didn't, that seemed fine with me. I mean, you know, at 3, you know. So I wrote Nikki a note, and I said, Nikki, you know, I really like you, and I was just wondering if you would go with me. You know, remember when you would ask people to go with you? And I'm like, would you go with me? And she wrote back one of the most interesting responses I've never forgotten it. She said, "Um, Brent, thank you for wanting to go with me. Um, I'm going with Todd Stevens right now. He's 14. But when Todd and I break up, I'll go with you. I thought, well, that's not the answer I wanted, but it's not. It could have been worse. So I thought, okay. So I saved that note because I thought, this is, she's contractually obligated at this point. It's in writing and her signature is there. So I kept the note and I had it in my drawer. And then maybe like a month later, I heard that Todd Stevens and Nikki Mogus broke up. So I got out the note and I presented it to Nikki and I said, hey, so I guess it's time for us to go out now. And I remember that Nikki was like, it was almost a look of pity on her face. It was kind of like, oh, you kept you kept the note and everything. She was physically present, but she was emotionally unavailable. A little bit of a heartbreak at nine years old. Just wasn't, wasn't going to have it. And it was sort of compounded by the fact that she had promised it and then, like, denied it. It's like, this didn't work. So I don't know if you've experienced something like that. Maybe, maybe it was something like that far in your past, okay? Or maybe it was it's something that's more present. Some of you have adult children that have grown up. And they've moved out. And as a parent, you want to be, you want to have an intimate relationship with them. You want a depth to your relationship with them. And yet there's an emotional distance there, right? They're physically present, 
but they're emotionally distant. They're going to show up at the events, maybe. You know, they're going to be there. They're not going to be rude. They're not going to... But they're just, there's something missing. You can't quite break through to them. Maybe for some of you, it's your parent that you want that relationship with. Maybe there was a divorce or maybe there was some sort of distance that grew in the relationship as a child and you're reaching out to that parent now. Or maybe you didn't know your parent growing up and you want to have a relationship with them. Or your parent left and you want that relationship as a, as a child. And maybe the parent is kind, nice, friendly, well-mannered, not mean, but they're just not available. There's a distance to them, right? They're physically present, but emotionally unavailable. Or maybe it's in your current relationship, your, your romantic relationship, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, you know, spouse. And maybe at some point in the relationship, there was a depth, there was a joy there was that untouchable, that un, uh, you know, untouchable factor, that factor that was like, man, it's just good. You, you're on a flow. You have a flow. You communicate. Things are good, you know. But at some point, we, you know, different circumstances arose. And over time, there's a distance there. There's a wall. They're physically present, but they're emotionally unavailable. So we've experienced this. And if you haven't experienced this kind of desire to be deeper with someone who doesn't reciprocate, then you will at some point experience that. And what we find, even though it's surprising, is that throughout the Bible, God is characterized as the one in pursuit of us. Throughout the Bible, God is pictured as a God who wants to have a relationship with us. He's always seeking us. He's always wanting a greater intimacy. He's always wanting that greater depth. He's wanting to go deeper with us. And throughout the Bible, humanity is characterized as turning away from him, running from him. One story where this picture is developed is in the story of the prodigal son. The, the God is pictured as a father. And he loves his son, and his son says, no, I want to just take my inheritance, and I want to run, and I want to leave, and I want to do my own thing. And the father's heart is longing for his son. And you know the story at the end. The son comes back, and the father rushes out to meet him. You just feel this anticipation in the father's heart, and the father represents God, and the son represents us. Other places, God is pictured as a shepherd. And he wants to comfort his sheep. He wants to take care of his flock. And they keep running off and going astray this way and that. There's a beautiful image at the very beginning of Genesis where God created Adam and Eve. He creates humanity. And he wants to have a relationship with them. And the, there's this line in Genesis that it says, you know, and they, and they spent time with God in the cool of the evening. They walked with God in the cool of the evening. It was this very intimate kind of image where God and humanity were just together, and there was an openness, and there was a freedom in their relationship. And then Adam ran and turned away and hid, and you get this picture, you get this you know, dialogue in, in that book of Genesis where God is saying, where are you? Where are you, Adam? He knows where he is physically, but his heart is so far from him. So over and over throughout the Scripture, this theme just recurs God saying, I want a relationship with you. I want a depth in terms of the way that we interact. I don't want you to just obey me. I want to have a relationship with you. And that really is what Christmas is about. 
Jesus in, in Revelations 20, there's this great, uh, Revelations 3, uh, verse 20, it says, you see this picture, and it's Jesus, and it says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And you look at this picture, and you go, Jesus is standing at the door, and he's knocking. Why is Jesus knocking, right? Jesus could huff and puff and blow the house down if he wanted to. Jesus could kick in the door if he wanted to. I'll give you just a I wasn't even going to tell you this little story. But this morning, this morning, the computer, we've got this new family center, this new office space. And the computer that runs all these slides and all these images, that was in my office in the family center last night. And the family center is new to us. You know, we have the keys now, but we haven't figured everything out. Well, it turns out this morning as I come to come and get the computer and give it to the visual production team, it turns out that my key doesn't open my office door. So I could see the computer in my office through a window. There's a window, and I thought, the computer's right there. I just need that computer, but I can't get in. And so we tried various techniques. Um, our, our guys that have been working at the family center, they're going, okay, what, what project are we about to embark on? Because I thought, well, maybe I'll just, there's a little window. Maybe I'll just break through the window and then climb through the window, get that computer, right? So I tried that, actually. I took Craig Wagner's huge pipe wrench and took a whack at that window. Not a crack, not a scratch, not a, that pipe wrench went doing like that. Just, um, so then I, this is a true story. I wasn't going to tell this. Obviously, it's not in my notes because it just happened. So then I thought, well, we really need the computer. You know, on, you know, cop shows, they just, they just kick the door right in. They just kick it right in. So I said, okay, I'll try that. Carol Cloud was up there with me and she's like, you're going to try to kick the door? And I'm like, yeah, we're just going to kick it in and then we'll just repair it. Tried to kick the door in, door wouldn't go. I mean, I kicked it like three or four times. There's some, there's some polish on that door. Um, long story short is I got, a, uh, I got a, uh, a utility knife and I cut through the wall. So there's a little wall for you guys to patch. Um, but we have the computer. So, so there's some dry, dry, if you see like there's some drywall on my pants right now. Here's the point. God could get into your heart if he wanted to. Okay? He could get into your heart if he wanted to. He could knock down the door. He could break the window. Uh, He wouldn't have to cut the drywall out, cut a hole in the drywall. He could get in there. Why is he knocking? Why is he knocking? Because there's something that God wants from you that he can't get from you by force. He wants you to love him. He wants intimacy with you. And he can't get intimacy from you by forcing it. He's knocking on the door. He wants you to open the door. We understand this. I, I have children. I have young boys. I can get them to obey me. I can get them to fear me. I can get them to do whatever I say because I'm a lot bigger than them. But I cannot get them to love me. That's their decision. That's their choice. Jesus is knocking at the door, and he's saying, I want to come in. That is what the story of Christmas is about. It's about God saying, 
I want so desperately to have a relationship with my creation, with my children, that I'm going to come down to earth, God incarnate, and I'm going to become one of them. I'm going to come and relate to them. That's what the scripture says when we, hear, when we meet Mary for the very first time. It says this. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. And it says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are, and this is really important right here, you who are highly favored. It says, the Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you are to call his name Jesus. Now the question is this. Why was Mary highly favored? What did Mary do that merited God's high favor upon her, right? Was she uh, exceptionally intelligent? Was she exceptionally talented? Was she exceptionally pious? Was she exceptionally uh, gifted? What was it that allowed God to say, you are highly favored? What I find to be so fascinating about this, this, this passage, this phrase, highly favored, it's only used one other time in the scriptures. It's in Ephesians 1. And what it, what it characterizes is, is God bestowing his grace upon Mary, not because she deserves it, not because she merits it, but because, number one, it's his goodwill and pleasure, and number two, because she's willing to receive it. She is willing to receive it. In other words, she's opening the door of her heart and receiving what God has for her. In the next verse, it says this. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, she says, I accept. I receive. Highly favored, not because she deserved it, but because she received it. She accepted it. That's it. God bestowed his favor upon her because she was willing to receive it. God wants to have intimacy with you, and what he asks is for you to receive it from him. He wants you to open up your heart. He's not going to come crashing in. He's not going to take a pipe wrench to the heart, to the window of your heart. He wants you to open it. In other words, intimacy with God is not based upon your ability. It's based upon your availability. It's not based upon your ability. It's based upon your availability. This last week, my wife and I celebrated our eight-year anniversary and um, we've known each other for 17 years, and then we got married, and uh, we had, um, you know, we, we've had eight years together. We've got three boys and a girl on the way, and it's been awesome. So this week, I said, all right, babe, we're going out to dinner, okay? I'm going to take you out to dinner. We're going to have a really good time, and we're gonna, just going to hang out and just enjoy, you know, put the kids with the babysitter, and we're just heading out. So it was a Monday night. Uh, we got ready, got dolled up a little bit, and we went down to a local restaurant, and which will remain unnamed at this point. Uh, went down to a local restaurant and went in and said, hey, two for dinner. And it was about 8 o'clock. And uh, the, 
the, the waiter came over and he's like, oh, um, you know what? I'm sorry, but we have, we've had kind of a slow day today. So um, we actually closed early. So the kitchen's closed. Uh, I'm really sorry, but we can't serve you guys today. I thought, okay, um, you know, that's not, I used to be a waiter and that's not really cool, but okay, but that's okay. Um, fine, we won't, we won't eat there, obviously. So he said, okay, we'll go to another restaurant that's part of the same uh, family of restaurants. So we took a little drive, went out to another restaurant. And we go walking, and it's a pretty neat restaurant. We're like, okay, this will be great. And we walk up, and the hostess comes up to us, and she says, I said, hi, two for dinner, please. She said, oh, um, I'm sorry, but the cooks have decided that they need to clean the hood before the holidays, so we've closed early tonight, and we're not serving. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> that's weird, uh, but all right. So there is another little restaurant uh, right down the street, part of the same restaurant family, and um, we said, all right, well, let's go down here, and, you know, we walk into that restaurant. I'm not joking, y'all. The hostess comes over. I said, two for dinner. She said, oh, you know, we, um, we are just, uh, we're just kind of closing it down a little early today, um, so you guys, and I'm like, all right, well, can you just go talk to the cook and just tell the chef that you got people here, and it's not closing time. It's like 830 at this point. Um, she went, checked, they came back. No, sorry, we're close. I'm like, man, we went to three restaurants and we're trying to have dinner as uh, on our anniversary. Nobody's serving us. So we went to a, a restaurant across the street, a little place called Brio's out in Frontenac. Okay. And I tell you what, Brio's may not be the very best restaurant in the world, but they were open. Uh, the food may be better somewhere else, but they served us food. You better believe we had a good time at Brio's. Here's the thing with God. You don't have to be good. You just have to be open. All right? You don't have to be able. You just have to be available. We were pretty daggone excited to have some food. <laughs> Brio's is my new favorite restaurant. I'm going to start putting Brio's advertisements right up here. In fact, we told the waiter about our situation, and he got us a free appetizer and a free dessert. All right. Yeah. So, you know, that's what it is. That's what it is with our relationship with God. It's really just a matter of, are you available? Are you going to be open? Um, are you going to spend time with him? And, and, and here's how you do it. There's got to be some, t- some privacy you got to have some time where you're alone with God, right? You can't, you can't be disrupted. All the time. There's got to be some privacy if you want intimacy with God. There's got to be authenticity in that relationship. There's got to be some openness about who you are, right? I mean, if you're not, if you've ever tried to be in a relationship with someone and they're not being real with you, just don't even try to be in the relationship, right? Because if they're not real, you're never going to get through to them. They're never going to get through to you unless they're being just real. That's, that's what happens when you first start dating, you know? It's the authenticity grows over time, right? So, so if you want a relationship with God, it's got to be real. You got to, you got to allow people to speak into your life so that you can have some reflection, allow the scripture to speak into your life. So you have some idea about who you are and what's going on. And then the third aspect of that is there's got to be submission, uh, in a relationship with God. Now that's a word that people get really rankled about. But the reason is, is because if you don't know the father, then yeah, it's, it's, it's terrifying to submit to him. But if you know him, if you know him and know what he wants for you, 
then you find that he wants the very best for you. He wants what's better for you than you could even ask. So if you've got to, if you, if you want to have that intimacy, there's got to be that privacy. There's got to be that authenticity and there's got to be that submission. Now, how do we begin to develop that relationship? Here's how the Bible teaches us to begin de- developing that relationship, that intimacy with God. Intimacy follows attention. That's point number two. Intimacy follows attention. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that you cannot have a relationship with someone if you're not focused on them. If you're not focused on that person, you cannot have an intimate relationship with that person. And a lot of times when we're trying to develop a relationship with someone or we're trying to develop a relationship with God, there can be some some intimacy killers that get in our way. One of the intimacy killers that we experience is avoidance, right? That's, that, was the, that was the story of Adam when God was saying, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be intimate with you. And Adam was consciously avoiding God. He was ashamed and he was afraid and he was hiding from God. And he was saying, I don't want a relationship with you, right? So he was consciously avoiding it. But a lot of times we're not consciously avoiding it. We're just distracted. We just get distracted. Maybe it's in a relationship with someone else. Maybe it's in a relationship with God. I don't know if you've had this experience, guys. If you have, please support me in this. But, like, have you ever been in a situation where you're, like, on the computer or, you know, you're reading a book, you're doing something, and then the last thing you hear your wife say is something like, you know what I mean? And you're like, um, because you didn't hear anything that she said before that? That, that never happens to any of you guys? Thank you, men. I really appreciate you. Thank you. One. <laughs> These guys are not admitting it. Thank you, Tom. Um, yeah, it's not that you're trying to avoid. It's just that, you know, you're, you're focused on something else. You're distracted. And so you can't, that's an intimacy killer, by the way. You've got to, sometimes you've got to just put that computer down, lay the phone face down, turn to the person, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, the, your child, and say, hey, yeah, okay, I'm with you now. I'm right here. There's nothing distracting us, right? That's what builds intimacy, right, is you've you got to be able to focus and not get caught in um, the distraction. Another thing that kills intimacy is self-centeredness, where you're always thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about the other person. You cannot be intimate with someone unless you're self-sacrificing, unless you're thinking about them. I had a friend that used to say, uh, used to talk a lot about what was going on in his life. He was a great guy, you know. He still is a great guy. But he would just talk and talk and talk about what's going on. And then at the end of it, he would be kind of self-conscious of it. And he would say, okay, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> I was like, man, come on. Right? So if, if you want to have a relationship, if you want intimacy with someone, you've got to be focused on them. What I found really surprising, there's a, the Magnificat, the, the song, Mary's song in the scripture that talks, that, that is her expression of what she feels after the angel says to her, you're going to carry the son of God, you know, and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she, she turns and, and sings this song and I'm going to just read it to you. Um, but look at, there's something I noticed in it that I'd never noticed before. Here's, here it is. And it's the whole thing. It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
It says his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. The whole thing is about him. To have intimacy with someone, you've got to focus on them. Mary's song says she could have gone the other way. She could have said, I am so fantastic. I am going to carry the son of God. I am going to be the greatest woman ever, you know, in the world. I, I, I. She could have very easily done that. And we would have gone, okay, that's okay because you're so excited, you know, because it's, you know, this just happened to you. And that's good. But she didn't. She said he, he, he. She focused completely, wholeheartedly on him. If you want to have intimacy, you've got to spend some time focusing on him. We're going to spend 21 days beginning in January, January 4th, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the, the theme of that, that time for us is go deep. Because what we're, what we're going to be doing is just spending time experiencing intimacy with God. We've, our church has grown, you know, wide, and we want to spend some time going deep. You know, we've, we've expanded. We're getting more, more room. We're expanding out. We just want to spend some time going really deep. We want that intimacy with God. Now, there is a warning about intimacy. When you have intimacy with God or when you have intimacy at all, intimacy comes with a price. There's a price involved with intimacy. Because intimacy isn't, isn't free. It doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. Uh, first of all, when you're intimate, when you start to open up, there's risk. There's risk involved in intimacy. All right? Uh, my, my, my middle son, Lincoln, is obsessed with castles right now. He just draws castles all the time. Medieval castles and knights and knights fighting dragons and dragons fighting knights. And sometimes a ninja makes its way into the picture. And that's awkward. But sure, medieval. And so anyway... And so he draws these castles, and one of the things, one of the things that he likes to draw around these castles is there's a big old moat around the castle, and then there's a big drawbridge, right? So when the bad guys are firing their fiery arrows, you know, it's, 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 it's not getting in. And he draws this drawbridge, right? That's what our heart is like. Sometimes if we have been hurt before, maybe we've been hurt in a former relationship, maybe we've been hurt at a church, maybe we've been hurt by a religious person, uh, maybe we've been hurt by a family member. We start to pull up that drawbridge. We start to shut off. We start to shut down, right? Because we don't want to risk vulnerability. We don't want to risk being intimate. Because risk, you know, when you're intimate, there's a chance that you'll get hurt. It means letting down the drawbridge, right? It means allowing someone to come into your life. So there's a risk involved. There's also a sacrifice involved with intimacy. To be in a relationship with someone in an intimate way means you can't be in relationship with other people in an intimate way because you only have so much capacity. You cannot, there's something that has, every decision you make is a sacrifice. You're giving, you're always giving up one thing to get another thing. So you have to decide what is, what, where's, where do you want to focus? Where do you want real intimacy to grow? Because that's the thing you have to focus on and, that, and, and the other things you have to sacrifice. You have to give those up. And then the third component, the third aspect of, of that risk is it requires uh, commitment. The price is that it requires commitment. 
That means that, you know, it's consistent. It goes on. And it, it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't just, you don't, you don't get, you know, you don't have one rush of emotion and now you're intimate, right? You know, we, you know, we've all experienced that, that sort of rush of emotion when you go, oh, wow, you know, I'm madly in love or whatever. And then, you know, a week, two, two weeks later, it's just, it's not there, right? So real intimacy is commitment. You're spending time. You're going over and over and you're, you're, you're spending time with God. You're spending time um, with the person. It's dedication. It's just spending time with him. Now, um, when Mary was promised that she was going to have this child, uh, she was warned that it comes with a price. They, Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus, and they took him to the temple, it says, to be dedicated. Sometimes we do baby dedications here where, you know, a, baby, uh, a parent has a new baby, and we come, we dedicate that baby to the Lord. That's what Mary and Joseph did with Jesus. And there was a priest at the temple. His name was Simeon. And here's what Simeon said. It says, uh, Scripture says that Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, he said, this child is destined to cause the, fa- the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So in other words, he's saying this, this baby is going to be hugely important. Uh, And then he said something that you don't normally hear at a baby dedication. He said, and a sword, Mary, will pierce your own soul too. He said, intimacy comes with a price. There's going to be a time where you're going to have to pay a price for the intimacy that you have with the Savior. And, of course, Mary did pay that price. She saw her own son beaten and spit upon and mocked and we see the image of her at the end of the gospel standing at the foot of the cross and seeing her son, you know, suffer and die. Intimacy comes with a price. But, but the reward is more valuable. It's more precious. It's more important than life itself. And, and if you've ever had a real experience with love or with intimacy, you know this. You know that that that, that depth of relationship is what makes life worth living. It's what makes life so purposeful and so valuable. We have every uh, week, uh, we have a family meeting. So we get around the table, and we have our little time together, and we go around to each child and to the parents, and we say, all right, give us a, a thorn and a rose, okay? What's something that you, that you didn't like that happened this week that you're not happy about? And what's something good that did happen that you liked this week, you know? So the boys will go around, and they'll do it. And then it comes to me, and apparently I'm kind of like a broken record because I always say, my rose is right now. Like, this is my rose for the week, just sitting here with my family, listening to you guys, you know, sharing, opening up. Like, this is my rose. And Jameson, last week, he's like, you always say that, Dad. He's like, you know. Yeah, well, okay. Well, I, I, that's my rose, right? That, that time of intimacy, that time of spending time with them, that's more important to me than anything else, than anything else. I mean, I love, I love you guys. I really do. But I love them even more. I love them. I just I want to spend time. They're my kids, you know? I want to spend time with them. And so that's what that, that intimacy is is all about it, it, it the reward that you experience is so great in fact when jesus was 
at the at the end of his um, at the end of his ministry, he met with Peter, and he spent time talking to Peter. And what he could have asked Peter is, Peter, are you going to obey me? Are you going to serve me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to respect me? Are you going to revere me? Are you going to? But you know what he said? He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He's asking Peter. And Peter says, yeah, yeah, I love you. And Jesus says, okay, then feed my sheep. And then he says it again. Hey, Peter, I just want to know, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, I do. He says, take care of my sheep. Then he turns to him again. Peter, I want to know. I, I just, the one thing I need to know, do you love me? Right? What he wanted desperately was that intimacy with his followers. He wants that with you. When the, when the, when the uh, religious leader came to him and said, you know, what's the most important commandment? You guys know this. It's not obey God. It's not fear God. It's not respect God. That's all important. But what he said is love God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. God's the, the most powerful force on earth is, is love. It's, it's intimacy with God the Father. That's what he wants for you, and that's what he wants from you. At the very end uh, of, his, uh, of his ministry, when he was finally with his disciples, uh, at the very end, he talked and talked in the, in, the, in the Gospel of John. If you ever read the Gospel of John, he's just, just, just paragraph after paragraph of red letters. He's just talking and talking and talking and explaining everything. And, right? and then towards the end, he stops and he prays. And this is what he prays. He says, now this is eternal life, God, that they know you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This word, this word know you, this is the very same word that Mary used when Gabriel came to her and said, you're going to have a son. And she said, how can I have a son? I've never known a man. She used the same word. What it means is there's, 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 there's intimacy there. There's a personal knowledge there. There's a personal experience there. And God and Jesus is saying, what I really want for you is I really want for you to know God. I really want for you to know God and for him to know you and for there to be a relationship between you and him. That will take you out of religion. That will elevate you out of just nonsensical, dry, boring, drab, rule-following religion. And that will elevate you into a, a, a state of life where you are transformative to the people around you. you begin to, your life begins to change. You begin to see things from a totally different angle, not from what you can get, but how you can serve. Not from what you, know, what you can receive, but what you can give. You start to see things very differently when you begin to develop a real, true, intimate, loving relationship with God. And so it takes us all the way back to where we started. We've got Jesus the scripture says in Revelation, here I am. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. And the, the, the fear that we have is because we don't know what happens if we open the door. If we open the door, what's going to happen? Uh, are we going to become like a religious freak person that like, you know, suddenly, you know, you have to lose all your friends and you just become a weirdo? That does happen. No, uh, no. Um, if that has happened to you, then I would say that's probably not a relationship with God. You know, am I going to just have to, 
you know, am I going to have to just check out intellectually? Do I have to, like, not think anymore? Do I have to stop asking questions? Do I have to, you know, do I have to just give up everything that I, that I thought was important to me? What's going to happen if I open the door, right? That's what we want to know. That's why we're afraid of intimacy. That's why we have religion, because it's a lot easier to follow the rules and point to what we've done and say, look, I'm squared away. I've done these 14 things, and I didn't do these 14 things or 12 things or 10 things or whatever, so I'm good. And that's what religion is based upon. That's what it's always been based upon. I'm doing the thing that I need to do in order to achieve the, the goodwill, the good grace of the deity or the deities or whoever, right? And Jesus is saying, no, I stand at the door and knock. And you say, what's going to happen if I open the door? And Jesus tells us, he says, if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in and I'm just going to eat with them and, I'm gonna, and they'll eat with me. In other words, we're going to sit down and we're going to just spend time together. We're going to have a family meeting. We're just going to break bread together. We're going to get intimate. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to open our hearts and I'm going to spend time with them and they're going to spend time with me. That's what happens when you open your door, the door of your heart, when you let down the drawbridge of your heart to God, is that he just wants to come in and spend some time with you. That's what Christmas is about. That's why Christmas exists. Because God said, I, wanna, I, want, to, I want to reveal myself to these people. I want to reveal myself to this creation. I want to reveal myself to my kids. I want to have a relationship with them. I want it to be a real relationship. And I want to reconcile them to me. I want to bring them into right relationship with God the Father. If you think about Mary... You know, one moment she's, she's finding out that she's going to be the mother of the Son of God. Thirty years later or so, she's standing at the foot of the cross watching her son be killed. Three days later, she's standing at the tomb, and it's empty. And she says, wow, that intimacy, that's, that's eternal life. In fact, uh, Jesus is saying, if, if you will open the door, then you have eternal life with me. If you will open the door, that's why intimacy is more, more precious than life itself, because intimacy with God is eternal life. Intimacy with God is you and God forever spending time together. So here's what I just want to challenge you and invite you this Christmas is amidst the hubbub, amidst the gifts, amidst the travel, amidst the, you know, getting everything together and getting all the stuff ready, Stop. Just stop and remember that this is about intimacy with God. If you want to take steps to do that, there are so many ways we can invite you to do that. Come to know God. Start, you know, going to church faithfully, regularly, just spending time hearing the word and worshiping and, you know, interacting with other believers and other Christians and start to spend time that way. Uh, you know, discover your purpose. If you haven't gotten involved in a church, get involved in a church. Come to the growth track. Get plugged in. Start to discover what your purpose in life is all about, right? Share the journey with other people. In February, we'll launch our life groups again. Man, our life groups, all the guys in my life groups, man, I mean, our life group this semester, we just had an amazing time sharing our lives with one another, sharing that journey, and then making a difference 
you know, getting involved on the dream team. Or, you know, this last Saturday, we went and delivered 50 gifts to 50 different children whose parents are incarcerated, you know, and shared the joy of Christmas with them. You want to talk about getting close to God? How about taking some gifts out to some kids and, and, and delivering those gifts to 50 kids whose moms or mom or dad is in jail? That's what it means to have a relationship with God. This Thursday, we're going to have music. We're going to have candles. We're going to sing. We're just going to spend some time. We're going to open the door, and we're going to let God in, and we're going to spend time with him. Let me just encourage you. If you want that relationship with God, if you want that intimacy, it's not about your ability. It's about your availability, right? It comes with a price, but the reward is more precious more precious than life itself. So open the door today. Open the door and just let him come in. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the story of Mary. Thank you for the story of a young woman who was poor and young and uh, naive and not particularly gifted in any way other than she was receptive. And she opened her heart to you. And God, we ask today that you would help each and every one of us. Give us the strength to open our hearts, to open our hearts and let your Holy Spirit come into us that we might know you and that you might know us and that we can experience you in a real and powerful and personal way that we can get out of the trappings of religion and that we can deeply enter into a relationship with you. God, I pray that for myself. I pray that for every person here. I pray it for every guest who's here and just exploring whether, whether or not Christianity is, is, is something they can believe in. I pray it for every Christian that's been a Christian all their life who maybe has hit that wall where they're just sort of dry and it's just kind of stale and it's by rote now. I pray for each person here, no matter where they are on their spiritual journey, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and you would allow us to see that you're just standing there waiting for us to open up and let you in so that you can have a relationship with us and we can have a relationship with you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for, for the story of Mary. I thank you for what we've learned from her and what we've learned from Joseph and what we've learned from Herod and what we've learned from the Magi. And Lord, I just pray that this, this series has touched people's hearts and, and, and created an environment in their hearts where they're willing to open up and let you in. Be with us this week. Be with us on Christmas Eve. Be with each and every person as they travel, as they spend time with family. Uh, as they grow and deepen their love for you and, and grow intimate with you. God, I just pray for all of us today. I pray for joy for each person here. I pray for peace and for comfort. God, to you be all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.